Welcome, everyone. Last week, we started a series on faith. And I want to catch up just a little bit with um, a key point from last week. Last week, what we learned, what we discussed is that you're always building faith. Whether you think you are, whether you want to be, the fact is that we are always in the process of building faith. Now, the trouble with this, I should say the good and the bad of this, is what are we building faith about? As we discovered last week, we can build faith in the positive or in the negative. We can build faith around the future bringing us uh, despair and trouble, right? By, by kind of worrying about it, kind of thinking about what might be happening. And we may have thoughts of, oh my gosh, you know, the country's in bad shape. My uh, marriage isn't the way I want it to be. My kids are more difficult in their teenage years than I would have hoped they would. Do you get my idea? When you have those kinds of thoughts, we're actually building a kind of a negative faith that bad things will happen. Well, of course, as we discussed last week, we want to do the opposite. We want to build our faith in a positive way. We want to build our faith around things that are going to be good, around the sweetness of life, around the joys of life, knowing that I'm good enough, that I'm worthy enough, that my, my marriage is moving forward in a lovely way, and that the kids are being raised sweetly and perfectly. This is how we would choose to build our faith. Well, today we're going to talk some more about faith, and we're going to pick off where we left off. I've managed to find uh, yet another joke about faith, and uh, you'll feel free to either enjoy this or not. The first, ser- well, the first service, about half the people were like, yeah, that was the funniest joke ever, and the other half was like, okay. So, uh, so we'll see how this goes. There was a congregation that had gotten so large that it decided to have four worship services each Sunday to meet the differing faith needs of the congregation. So there was one service for those who were new to the faith. There was another service for those who had been strong in their faith for many years. There was a third service for those who had lost their faith but would like to get it back. And finally, the fourth service was, being, was for people who felt they were being tested by their faith and, and kind of in trouble and in turmoil. And of course, the minister had pet names for these services. He called them finders, keepers, losers, weepers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, uh, thank you, though, those of you who did enjoy it. <laughs> so what does this tell us about faith, though? I think the place to start is a recognition that with faith of whatever sort brings freedom. I'm going to say that again. With faith brings freedom. Now, what do I mean by that? Does everyone here realize that you are ultimately completely free in your lives? And let let me work at maybe defining that just a little bit, because the idea of freedom sometimes in our lives doesn't seem like it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes our life feels like we only have a very few choices, or that we're kind of trapped maybe in a job that we don't like, or, or moving down a path that doesn't have as many options as we would like. But I got to tell you, the truth is, we are infinitely free. We're free to think every thought that we could possibly imagine. We're free to live a life that is exactly the way we want. Some of you are looking at me like, 
Like, what's up with this? And in fact, I'll refer, uh, Reverend Lynn, it was interesting when she was talking, uh, uh, talking up her class, doing a very good sales job, by the way. I might want to take that class. <laughs> it sounds like a great class. Remember when she said that a friend of hers had said, I want your life. Implicit in that, I think, is that they didn't feel free that they could make that life for themselves. Do you know what I mean? That there was something that keeping them from having the life that they saw in Reverend Lynn that seemed so appealing, that seemed full of life and full of love and set up the way that, that Lynn wants it. And, and her friend was, well, I want your life. And implicit in that is, because I'm sure not enjoying mine. Are we really free to choose? In Science of Mind, we believe that our thoughts are creative. That indeed, this faith that we have built up, whether it be positive faith or negative faith, is going to be creative in our lives. It's, in fact, it is creating our life. And the more uh, our thoughts and beliefs and ideas and thought patterns are around a life of love and joy and even luxury and wild creativity, the, the bigger we make it in our minds, if we really can own it, can really embody it, then that will be our life. And of course, the converse is true. If we tend to paint with the, uh, the brush strokes of the darker colors, fearfully, um, worryingfully, unfortunately, those kinds of thoughts also tend to be creative and we can count on more of it. How do we reverse this trend? If we are having some thoughts of things that we really don't want to have happen, how do we keep them from being creative? I don't think we can. I do not think that we can stop thoughts from being creative, but you know what we can do? we can begin doing a better job of choosing our thoughts. I did a little independent research from Dil Tullifson, a PhD who's been working in the realm of actually consciously choosing our thoughts for about 25 years. And he said the main, uh, if you will, stumbling block to people choosing their thoughts are what he calls so-called habitual thoughts. And he classifies them in three general categories. The first one he would call are fix-it thoughts. And that's where kind of rolling around in your brain is this idea that somehow by replaying past events that you can sort of fix them. So you might replay your first marriage or you might replay something that happened that was very uncomfortable around a, a person or a job or an encounter or whatever it is and it will tend to cycle through our brain sometimes even years later well beyond any scheme or ability to actually change it. You're, you're still kind of cycling, you know, if only I would have said this to that first husband, if only I would have done that with my mother, if only only I had taken a different, you know, a different course of study in school or whatever it is, he says, first of all, you're wasting your time. You're wasting the power of your brain. At the very best, that's what you're doing. Because, of course, you're consuming this amount of time that you could be living in the here and the now and enjoying yourself. But he says there's even a greater danger to this. He says that, of course, by stewing about the things that went poorly, you're tending to invite them to happen again. What's in your awareness? It's that thing that went badly. It's that discussion that, that went south. It's that job that you always hated. And the more you, you fixate on them, even if it's with the idea of it could have been better, 
you're still right there in the mud of it all. You're still tending to invite more of the same. The second pattern of habitual thought that he talks about is what he calls just daydreaming. Now you would think that dreaming about pleasant things to come would actually be a good thing in science of mind, right? Don't we teach that if you have a mental equivalent that's full of love and full of life and full of potential and possibilities, that that's, that's the life you're going to have? Well, the trouble is, if it's a daydream, you know it's not going to happen, right? It's like the difference between watching violence on cartoons and really knowing that there's violence in your life. Or, or watching a scary movie, it doesn't mean that you're going to be scared. That, do you know what I mean? It, it's like an entertainment, I guess is the way I would put it. If your thoughts are just an entertainment for you, but you don't really feel connected to them, these are not positive thoughts. Again, at best, you're just wasting your time by daydreaming. Now, if you will, though, contrast daydreaming to actually building a mental equivalent. And you'll get a different answer here, right? If you're having specific thoughts about the future, the way you would like the future to be, and you're really holding it in your heart, knowing it's true, knowing that you're worthy of it, knowing that there's nothing in you that would keep you from having that, really owning it, then it's a mental equivalent. It's not a daydream. It's something positive, something you can hang your hat on because you know it's for you, not just a fantasy, you know it's for you. And so if you can turn your daydreams into something you can own, it's a positive thing. But how often do we know people that are just out there, just daydreaming their lives with possibly no potential of it coming true? That, that is a dangerous form of habitual thinking. The third form of habitual thinking is simply worry. Do you know people that are always worried about what's going to happen next? Or have you been in the position yourself of, of going down that path of, oh, I'm, I'm sort of worried about this. I'm worried about the violence in our neighborhood. I'm worried where the, the country is going with the, the leadership that's going on in Congress. I'm, I'm worried about my job, you know, the, the factory's downscaling, and I'm probably going to be next. And, and again, do you notice that kind of squirrel cage effect where you're just building on the frenzy of negative thinking? And it's no more productive than trying to fix the past. Worrying about the future, fixing the past, you're just spinning the wheels. And in fact, that's the best that can be said for it. Because if you're actively imagining the future to be grim, you're ushering it in, you're inviting it into your life. So we definitely do not want to go there. Who likes country western songs? What do you think of some of those love tunes that they're called they're called love songs but what are they really they're heartbreak songs aren't they? And I remember about to, about 10 years ago I swear I swear in my heart I was in the middle of one of those songs I was in love with someone who could not here I'll try to say it country who could not love me back. <laughs> And you know, I actually can remember quite clearly getting in one of those squirrel cages. And, and in that particular one, 
I kept thinking, if only I had done this differently, if only I showed up a different way, if only that then the person would love me in a unique way. Well, the good news about this story is I had enrolled in a Science of Mind Foundations class just about 10 years ago. And I remember the very savvy instructor said to me, well, Larry, first of all, you need to learn the word stop. And when you get in one of those periods of time when your mind is just zipping around, either worrying about the future or replaying the past infinitely, you just need to stop. And she said, even yell at yourself. If you're having trouble, just sit up in the middle of the bed. Because I was explaining it. It was like 2 a.m. and I was obsessing over what I could do to make this relationship better. She said, just sit up in bed and yell, stop. And I said, well, then what do I do? And she says, if you've stopped the thoughts, it doesn't matter in a way. Read a book, watch a movie, something that will just keep you diverted so that you don't get back on the squirrel cage of negative thinking. Stop and then do something different. And it can be anything different. And then she said something kind of magical. She said, and you also might consider thinking more positive thoughts about this. <laughs> and, I, and of course, I was brand new in science of mind. I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, she said, you know, and I hate smart practitioners because <laughs> they so know more about me on most days than I know about myself. She looked me in the eye and she said, are you worried that maybe you're not lovable enough? Are you worried that maybe there's something in you that will prevent you from having a relationship of your dreams? Oh, I hated that. <laughs> because, of course, it was true. And so we worked on reversing some of this negative thinking. And so from then on, what I did was, whenever I would have some of these crazy thoughts, these painful country-western song thoughts, I would say to myself, this is crazy. Stop. Larry, you are lovable. I am lovable. I'm sexy, I'm attractive. You know, what, whatever, the, whatever the fear is, you turn it upside down. You recognize in yourself that you are that thing that you desire. You are love. You are life. You are the goodness of being. Now, at first, some of these phrases sounded a little hollow. Uh, I, I mean, picture yourself maybe standing in the mirror saying, I am sexy. <laughs> <laughs> But I will suggest, I will suggest that if you start gently and patiently with yourself, all of us can learn to pick up new habits of thinking. When Sharon uh, did the introduction today, she talked about conscious thought. Did you notice that? That's what it's all about. That's really what building our faith is about. We need to be aware of and consciously directing both our faith and our thoughts. We are, after all, ultimately free. I'm going to go back to that again. We are ultimately free. We are free to feel the joy, the love, the life, the, the sweetness, the abundance, the, the peace, the outrageous wonderfulness of life and... We are free to feel lack and pain. We're free to feel 
that negative side of life as well. Sometimes I have clients that will come to me and they will say, you know, I'm just going to leave this up to God. I, I, I really can't figure out what I want, honestly, and I'm just going to leave it up to God. I got to tell you, you're thinking of a different God than the one I know. God is not a, a, a kind of a super person up in the sky that is intuitively thinking now, I think I know what Star Shepherd Decker needs in her life. You know, I think we'll, we'll have a tragedy for her this week, and then she'll work really hard and overcome it. And then next week, it'll be the triumph of success. When we do this to ourselves, when we portray God in that way, it's like the giant puppet master in the sky. And I got to tell you, in the scheme of things, humanity to God is about this big. Think of the universe and what percent of the universe is the human existence. Now, I'm not saying we're important. I'm not saying that we aren't worthy of all of the love and the joy that we can muster. But I got to tell you, God has set up God's plan so that we're all addressed equally. And it simply is that God will back up our thoughts. God doesn't know what's best for us. God knows the best, which is to say yes to what we're thinking and what we believe. And so to that person who comes to me and says, well, you know, I just kind of give up on all this, uh, trying to direct my thoughts, trying to plan for a better life. I'm just going to put it in God's hands. The bad news is God's hands are just the run-of-the-mill human experience then. Because you are just saying yes to everyone else's thoughts on the planet, and God's going to say yes to them. So you're just going to get average. If you want to have a life that is directed into a pattern of love or joy or peace or whatever it is you want to see more of, you need to have an idea of what it is that you want. Which brings me to my final topic of today. Is it freedom to or freedom from? Do you know what I mean? If today's talk is about freedom, what does freedom mean to you? When I hear some people talk about freedom, it's escape. I want freedom from this job. I want freedom away from my family constraints or my obligations. I want freedom to do what I want to do. And then I'll ask them, well, what do you want to do? Oh, does the room get silent then? <laughs> because they're focused on freedom from. Freedom from responsibility. Freedom from what they don't want. And I tell you, that kind of freedom is the most dangerous freedom it is because what's going on in your mind? You're not coming up with the picture of a perfect life. You're coming up with the picture of everything that's wrong with it. Instead, let's flip this. Let's go for the freedom to. Freedom to live in joy. And what does that mean? Freedom to have an abundance of good things in your world. And what are they? And what does it feel like? And how would you react if you had it? A freedom to experience love of a certain type by people that honor you and respect you and love you and, and according to your own mental equivalent of what love is, what joy is, what peace is, this is freedom too. Now God is going to give us freedom. 
My question is just which side of this coin do you want to go on? It really is that double-edged sword. Do you know what I mean? And when it cuts one way, when it's the freedom from it, it cuts away all of the goodness and just highlights the negativity of what you don't want. And when it cuts the other way, it clears a path for joy. It clears a path for every good thing that you could imagine, assuming you can own it. Assuming that your faith, that your idea of freedom is clear in your mind, it's sitting right in your heart, you know it's for you. Remember those funny ads for uh, all of those weird pills on TV where they say, ask your doctor if it's right for you? You have to know that what you want is right for you. Not right for someone else. Not that you want Reverend Lynn's life, although it's a sweet one, right? It needs to be your life, and you need to step up for it. You need to recognize that what you want is yours if you believe it. If you go with the freedom to solution. If you recognize that the faith that you build is good. It's sweet, it's progressive, it's expansive. All of those things that you want, own up to them. And whether it be in prayer or whether it just be in a new way of projecting your thoughts, project them to be what you want. Project them to be great. Project them to be your wildest fantasy, but don't make it be a fantasy. Remember, we're not going to be in that field of daydreams we're going to own up to it. We're going to embody it. It's going to be us. I'm going to close today by just doing a slight recap of where we are. We talked about freedom today, and we talked about the thing that can stand in the way of freedom are three habitual ways of thinking. And so your homework for this week, if you're up to a bit of homework, is to recognize in yourself, give it a little bit of thought, Am I trapped in some of this habitual negative thinking? Now, it might be thinking about the past, that replaying things that have already been happened, that up at 2 a.m., do you know what I mean? If only I would have said that. If only the boss wouldn't have done that. That kind of thinking, that's one form. The second form is just daydreaming with no real thought that anything could happen. And the final one is active worry. You know, I'm really worried. Again, it might be up at 2 a.m. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid that's going to happen. I know that nothing good is going to come of this. If any one of those kinds of habitual thinking is going on in your mind, I would like you to stand for something today and begin working on it. It might be as easy as the stop. i got to tell you, any more... I have trained my mind to the point where when I recognize this, all I do have to do is say stop. Because that is my cue to begin coming up with the things that are true about me. That my life is going well. That tomorrow's going to be a great day. That I'm having fun on this planet. And so all I have to do is stop and kind of automatically the more positive thoughts will come. But if you're not at that point yet, you might even take out pen and paper and begin writing down some of the truths that are wonderful and joyous and great in your life so that when you do the stop, then you can have some phrases and thoughts and awarenesses about yourself that will be positive. Ultimately, what will keep you from experiencing the good side of freedom 
are some of these repetitive, some of these habitual negative thinking. So that's your homework assignment for this week. Check in your own life and see if you are the victim of your own thoughts. And stop. Simply work on stopping it. I'm going to close with a a quote from Ernest Holmes out of this lovely book, Think Your Troubles Away, and uh, then we'll do a prayer. He says, So marvelous is that freedom which divinity has bequeathed to us that it becomes our very bondage when we see it as bondage. It is our good when we see it as good. It is our negativity when we see it in the negative. We have reached that place in our evolution where we can consciously cooperate and demonstrate what we will. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in the universe that is this thing called life. And what I know about life is that it is free. It is that ultimate freedom of choice in all things. This is the true gift from God. And for myself, I claim it now. I am free to experience the light, the life, the goodness, the greatness, the joy, the the peace, the abundance, the the great health, the, the perfect being. I am here to experience it all. And as it is true for me, I know without question that the same capability exists for each person in this room. Each person here has that ability to choose wisely, to recognize they are free to enjoy life to its fullest, free to have that power and benevolence and and freedom in life. This is the birthright of every person in this room. This is the birthright of every person on this planet. And I know without question that the people in this room can embark upon a systematic plan of choosing their thoughts and their beliefs with greater care. That is the secret of life, to simply choose one's thoughts and one's beliefs with ever greater care. I know this to be the truth of the people in this room. I know without question that lives get better. I know without question that the full force and joy of God is present always. I just let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for being here today.